Hello and welcome to the Higher Self Being You podcast with me, Stefan Mullen, a place where we will be discussing being you and the energy you want to attract. Welcome to episode 9. I hope everybody is keeping well. Thank you once again for all your correspondence on our previous episode where I had the absolute privilege to be joined by Shul Vage where he had spoke about his role as a life transformation coach. If you would like to get in contact with us at Higher Self Being You podcast then feel free to do so by emailing us on higherselfbeingyou at gmail.com. You can also contact us on Instagram or Facebook as well. We go under the name as Higher Self Being You. Please don't forget to download and tell your friends about the Higher Self Being You podcast. Once again, we really appreciate all your support. On today's podcast episode, we have a very special guest from County Derry in the north of Ireland, Michael McConluke. Michael has been a lifelong friend of mine for 20 plus years and it brings me so much joy to share this powerful experience with him where he opens up about a topic very close to his heart. Michael, uh, as as I said, he's been a lifelong friend of mine and it's been an honour he has also taken on board to being godparent to my daughter. He has stood beside me as my, my best man on my wedding day. Uh, and apart from his awful wedding speech where he this is my favourite football team in Liverpool, uh, he always has an absolute abundance of energy and all I can say is this guy is an absolute living legend and I love him to bits. Something I have learnt by now is how every episode can relate to the previous one in so many different ways and it gives so much clarity around everyone having their own challenges, everyone also having their own blessings, and also how we're always one connection really away from knowing someone else. What I learned from Show's episode was that there is absolutely no point in us playing the victim and having our own bad habits because it's us that creates them. Uh, We obviously, if you have a bad habit there, it's usually because of repetitive thinking. Uh, And the the very same goes about creating good habits and a better sort of lifestyle for us as well. Uh, And something that I've learned as well is overcoming those obstacles as best we can as well. Another very powerful gentleman that came to mind when I was listening back to Show's episode. And that was an absolute legend um, in Greg Plitt, who was like a fitness and motivational expert. and Greg Plitt, I think, really articulated this sort of life coach, this personal training uh, methodology in such a beautiful way where he has a video uh, about keeping the fire alive. And if you've never heard this video, it's a really, really powerful video, uh, something that I, I've looked at and listened to a number of times as it really resonates. And Greg Plitt goes on to speak in a very sort of analytical way and a re- very relatable way about uh, the molding of clay so he talks about like if you're molding pottery or you're like molding that clay to to make something at the beginning it's quite tough it's very difficult to start molding until you start adding water you constantly keep applying yourself and you're consistent with the application basically the the clay then starts to shape and mold and the the warmer the clay gets the the better it molds to what you want it to do and i think us human beings are very similar we require water we require application and we also require consistency to grow so that is a a big thing i have taken away from show's episode today's episode I'll be talking to a man who I've been very lucky to call my best mate for about 20 years plus uh, godfather to my child and also best man at my wedding uh, had a very insulting speech so he's lucky I'm not getting married a second time uh, he has very bravely decided to come on and speak openly about a condition that we don't hear or see too much of uh, but approximately 20% of children suffer from it so quite a a scary statistic when you think about it and we don't really talk about it as well so 
Michael McConlog was around eight years of age when he first started exhibiting symptoms of a condition known as tics. And basically tics can come in two forms. There's motor tics or there's vocal tics. And again, Michael will be able to speak a wee bit more in depth about those shortly. Some people may have one kind and others may actually exhibit both. But again, Michael, absolute pleasure to, to have you on the podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Excellent. So, Michael, can you first uh, tell me a wee bit about, like, explain what it was going on when you first started noticing ticks? Yeah, um, first started noticing them. Um, I would say uh, at the time I was sort of getting maybe a bit bullied in school and that, and I think it sort of stemmed from that. Um, it was sort of dealing with the stress, uh, obviously, that their sort of behaviour brings and how to deal with it, and then obviously. It just started, things started, the stress started manifesting itself in different ways and coming out. So I've been making like wee weird noises in my, my throat perhaps, or uh, I don't know, jerking of the head. Um, and then obviously eventually uh, that was, I didn't know, it was obviously hard to explain at the time. So obviously it was eight um, and I didn't really understand what was happening because I, I wasn't really in control of it. I sort of, I had this burning sensation inside me to, to do this, but I couldn't even though I didn't want to do it, it sort of happened. Um, so that was sort of the, the start of it. Right. Very interesting. Obviously, like as, as I mentioned earlier, I've known you 20 plus years. And uh, again, it's, it's only been the last year that we've ever actually spoke about, mm. about, about the, the ticks and stuff like that. Like, And again, it, it's pretty incredible that you can know somebody so well, but also not know them as much as you think you do. So yeah. Uh, did you know what ticks were when you first started experiencing them? No, no. Um, to be honest, it wasn't until a number of years later. Um, obviously, early teens and I'd be going on the internet, and I remember I just sort of googled the symptoms and I was like, oh, something along the lines of, oh, I, I make like weird noises in my throat and make weird body movements, but I can't help it. And uh, that was when obviously all the results came up and was going on these different forums and reading and then just seeing people um, sort of speaking and say, saying about this, the things that I had gone through and sort of uh, that was an instant sort of relief for myself, I suppose, just sort of seeing that I wasn't the only one. Because obviously when you're that age, you're having all this dialogue yourself. It's like, why me? Why am I such a, a weirdo? Why am I Why am I like this? And just what why doesn't it affect everyone else? And just, again, obviously this wee mentality. But obviously that age you don't know how to comprehend such things and maybe speak about them and articulate it to you know people who maybe could do something for you so it was a lot of like internal sort of turmoil uh, I suppose you could say uh, at that time whenever I, I found out uh, about it but once I found out that there was other people that that also had those uh, symptoms it, it did make me feel a little better yeah and you had mentioned there obviously when you weren't fully aware of what they were you'd mentioned words like turmoil and things like that like how did it affect your mental well-being in regards to like not fully understanding what they were but still experiencing them to be honest as i said when i found out about them and that i just i was just i i don't i don't think it it obviously did affect me when i was sort of by myself i'd be thinking about well why am i doing this i'd love to stop doing it but i can't um, and it wasn't until, and it's only, to be honest, the last couple of years now, I'm, I'm 30 now, and it's only in the last couple of years I've actually felt okay to talk about it. I've always sort of treated it as a taboo subject, and like, I've like obviously been rosy in that, my, my, my partner, my fiance, and she was the one who sort of helped me make me realise it's not that bad, it's not a, a big deal in that, and she'd talk about it, but every, I remember times where she'd be trying to bring it up, and I would just immediately shut her down, just like, nah, I'm not I'm not speaking about it. And it's almost like a shame attached to it. Um, and as I said, that it took me until, you know, 30 years of age to actually come around to the idea of actually speaking about it. So to even think back to when I was, you know, a young boy, eight, you know, eight onwards, your early teenage, and obviously you're going through that. so many different things when you're a teenager and that, like there's many or stresses and that uh, um, at the time. So and that was just another one. But like I say, um, I felt that obviously it has made me stronger as a person and that, that I'm sort of dealing with that myself, I suppose. Um, and yeah, I think that's... Yeah, and I, th- I think obviously you mentioned there about it, like in your own head being a taboo subject. And I think mm. again, 
it's not something you hear a lot about you don't hear a lot of people talking about this type of thing as well so i suppose if, if you're not hearing an awful lot about it yeah. then in your own head you don't really want to be the the first at times to be bringing about and stuff so when you were at school like i know you'd mentioned earlier michael about other kids bullying you and stuff like that at points no. what were you self-conscious of the ticks or was it always like other people pointing them out to you see the thing is in school i would I was able to suppress them, like you can suppress them, uh, but you still have that urge, that sort of itch inside you to to do it, and then once you do it, then it's sort of a relief that you've you've got it over and done with. But um, in terms of school, I don't think really many people noticed. Like you say, like you've like we've been basically inseparable, you know, for however many years, and like you said, you never really knew about it, yeah. and like we were joining the hub basically and going through school. Um, so it was something I, I always kept to myself. Obviously, I spoke to my mum and dad about it, but again, she's obviously no doctor, and I think so. I'm not. She can't be unfair for you know people who don't understand these things. So I have. I was sent to a doctor and that to you know to see if I could get a diagnosis on it. Now, as I said, I touched on previously where I'd done my own research online, and I had it was like right. I finally had a name for what it was. Yeah. So and I, I was confident sort of going into a doctor and saying right, I've got ticks, um, and this is this is what I do and that and these are how it's, it sort of happens but they weren't they weren't really interested when I was speaking he was sort of dismissing what I was having to say and it was sort of like he was sort of determined to go down a certain route um and he, he prescribed me these like, me, this medication and that he says uh, try this for two weeks and come back but I knew in my head and say is like that this is not the answer to my problem here um and I just sort of I came back two weeks later. Didn't take it. Didn't touch any of the drugs he prescribed to me. I just said it did, did, and it hadn't make any difference. Um, and then he prescribed me to go to like a, a specialist, uh, in Alton Galvin Hospital. Um, and again, that was where they put like a tube down my nose and they looked down my throat. I don't even know what the hell they were looking for. The fucking Loch Ness monster. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, they didn't. They didn't find anything. Anyway. Um and yeah, so that was quite a frustrating thing, I suppose, as well, like having a sort of lack of understanding, especially from people that are obviously medically medical professionals. Yeah. Um and I so again that that was again that was something that made me sort of shun it even more as like well if doctors don't understand or know much of it then what's the point? So like I said, I, I went through, you know, my childhood and uh, teenage years and that, um, sort of just going through it. But like I say, I think Whenever I was doing like exercise and that, or like playing football, that's when you notice that it doesn't really, you know, happen. But um, I that was something growing up. I, I sort of learned to to deal with and compartmentalize, I suppose. Yeah, and I well, I'm glad they didn't find the Loch Ness monster first and <laughs> foremost. Like, but it it, it is bizarre because obviously we we have grown up together, best mates for many many years, and I th- I think for me, like I I may have noticed you like twitch or something like that but never really thought much of it like for me it was just it was just part of you but obviously you were really digging a lot deeper in your own mind about it and stuff like that because it was a affecting you a lot more than it was affecting me yeah. uh which is, is is quite crazy to to be honest like it's like i said at the start like you can know somebody so so well but also not know them at all yeah. in, a, in a way which is is pretty pretty insane like it's pretty <laughs> pretty amazing but uh when with regards to like your friends that like how did you ever feel in those relationships were you always worried that if friends were aware of this they might judge you or they might not like you or like i say when you're growing up you're obviously especially in your teenage early teenage years you're obviously very aware of how your looks how you're perceived in that um and i think for me more so because i had this condition where i realized that no one else or not many other people were doing it so i was always had that heightened sense of awareness i suppose um so that sort of helped me to uh, suppress it and that and like when i was in social situations it didn't really like sometimes it would but maybe in stressful situation but usually nine times out of ten it didn't really you know show um and there's only i could count them on hands and maybe times people maybe had noticed or maybe said to them i'm the one uh, incident that does stick in my mind when we're playing a, a gaelic match um on their 14 i think it was um and uh i remember i can't remember what happened but then anyway, my own teammate who i'll not name names but my own teammate actually was taking a piss out of me for doing i think i was making a move my, my shoulder my, my neck or something i can't remember but i remember him like 
taking a piss out of me and slagging me in the middle of a match in front of my teammates and the opposition as well. And I remember just like feeling like absolute you know, crap and just feeling like helpless and that. So I wanted obviously to throttle them, but I couldn't because it's another yeah. game as your own teammate. But I just more just I that was that was one that obviously sticks in my head mainly. But like I say, that's probably the worst one. Um, I can't really recall any other instances. There probably is maybe a couple of more, but that was definitely one that sort of sticks in my mind. Yeah, and I, I, again, obviously you speaking about it, it's, it's a really big thing. It's obviously played a significant part in your life and stuff like that. And I, I suppose if people don't talk about it, you never really understand it. Yeah. So again, people might think oh, it, it's a laughable subject, but mm. it, it clearly isn't because it affects or impacts anybody's mental well-being yeah. as well. Like if you're you're thinking those type of things and again as you said as a young person you haven't fully developed and mind body and spirit so really how are you going to pick up on things like this like again it comes a lot of it comes from education michael so like uh and just as well when you're talking about relationships like knowing you on a personal level you've had a few girlfriends over the years and stuff as well how did you feel like did you ever tell your girlfriends or was it something that i um even uh same previous girlfriends and that was like obviously I was so and I was a bit maybe a, a apprehensive about like obviously when you're getting to know you know new partners or whatever and thinking oh they're gonna think I'm a weirdo or strange or like oh what the hell is this guy doing and that and it was sort of so like I say I couldn't help doing it because obviously nerves and that can affect it or stress or whatever it may be but I felt like previous girlfriends and I said obviously as I mentioned before Rosie especially um, you know, been brilliant in that, and have they, to be honest, it's not something they really they were really bored about. They were sort of they seen it as something that was part of me, and that, and they loved me for me. So that was the way it was sort of looked at. So I, in terms of like you know, you know, been in close intimate relationships and that, I, it was something that obviously was discussed, but it was more it was more a bigger issue in my own head than it was in theirs. But obviously, that's the. The danger of obviously keeping things yourself or like overthinking things. You think, oh, everyone thinks I'm a stranger. It's a big, massive deal. But when you actually, in the cold light of day, it's not that much. Yeah. And I think obviously that, that's a very powerful statement because as well, like growing up, you've always been, again, my best mate. Like you've been somebody that I've looked up to on a number of occasions. Mm-hmm. And I know the rest of the, the group of lads that we run about with and stuff as well have. Like uh, it's it's pretty crazy that obviously while we're looking up to you you're looking down on yourself yeah and i, I think like in a way I, that resonates with me it might not necessarily be in the form of texts and things like that but again there's other things there that i maybe look down on myself belittle myself and i think like you're, you're thinking geez what if people think this and stuff yeah. and i think this is where this plays a huge part in anybody's mental well-being and their that journey really as well so yeah. i thank you for sharing that michael and when you were obviously going through that diagnostic process, like you had mentioned about doing research and the GP and stuff, and then you you'd spoke to your mum. Uh, mm. When you spoke to your mum, how did you feel about speaking to your mum about it? Uh, well, it just, I think it was something, obviously, at that time. She, I think speaking about it was just like trying to get to the bottom of it. Like I think for her, it was sort of like, why is my why making this weird noise or making a weird or uh, movement of his head or whatever it may be. Um, I think obviously it did help, like obviously just to sort of get it out and open and speak about it. But like I say, I was at a younger age, so I was sort of, maybe I couldn't articulate it the way I obviously could do now. Um, and I was obviously not that much understanding around mental sort of, you know, health conditions, you know, back in the 90s, yeah. and, you know, early 2000s, uh, as it is now. Um, so yeah, as I said, it was just... Uh, um, Obviously, spoke to her and she was the one who booked the doctor's appointment for me and I, because she seen obviously it was something that was affecting me. Um, and I, as I said, like, I didn't expect my mum to understand it because she's not a medical professional. So, but then when I was put into that sort of environment and speaking to a doctor and after doing my own sort of research and telling us is what it is and to have that sort of negative experience where you just didn't really take that on. Um, as I said, I sort of just sort of put it down uh, and didn't really speak about it after that after I went to see the doctor so like yeah. I say until I said um, you know speaking about it in later life as I said I mentioned before I was 30 years old basically before I, was, I felt comfortable enough to actually talk out about it you know yeah and I, I know as well when, when you're speaking about that research Michael I know 
we've obviously had one or two conversations around this this topic now as well and again you had mentioned before about some of the people that you'd looked up to in this regard like so tim howard being one of them yeah like can you tell me a bit more about like reading into their stories and who who they are really yeah so i'm, I'm obviously being a fan uh, back you know tim howard's saying the early 2000s and i remember reading something about him having like ticks and like i think he is like actually it's a bit more complex than my own uh diagnosis i think he's like uh is Tourette's ticks and OCD as well. So has is multiplied. So you have to do like I don't know, like closing open a door like ten times, or whatever it may be, or you'd have to have his gloves in a certain way, and he has yeah. to put his like his kip on in a certain uh like order. order. Or, and if he doesn't do that, or I think like he, he, he like his game plans ruined basically. So that was something uh, like when I read up in his autobiography, um, I found that he actually does like a. A foundation over in America for people who are like kids that you know suffer from uh, Tourette syndrome, ticks, OCD, etc. And I basically get them together to play sports in that, and yeah. they can feel fine in that environment, and there's no judgment in that, and they can you know act out their ticks or whatever it may be. They're in in full confidence that no one's going to be there to you know laugh at them, and they can just be comfortable. And other people who also share the same sort of condition. Um, so other people as well, um, obviously from reading that, so there's uh, another guy called John O'Kane. Um, he was part of the, the famous, obviously, class of 92 uh, team uh, of Manchester United. And uh, he obviously didn't make it, but he was played at right back. And obviously, you know, Gary Neville was a, a famous right back for United. And apparently, from reading his book, Fergie rated this guy, John O'Kane, above Gary Neville. Yeah. And he says... All you need to do is sort your head out and you'll be you'll be the first team player no problem at all yeah. but like i say back then like obviously in the early 90s there was no under real understanding of that yeah. so i read his autobiography as well and his sort of struggle and I, i've seen a lot of parallels compared to, like from myself from me growing up and obviously his experiences too i'm feeling that wee bit different or a bit sort of like i you're very much aware that you're the only person exhibiting these um you know these symptoms and that and, and like it said i think he his one was like he had to like stretch his calf uh like a certain way like he'd have to kick his you know, sitting on the bench he'd have to flick his leg up like four or five times so he felt like that strain on his calf and hamstring um and just had other things as well like again it was a mixture of vocal and motor tics again it was similar to myself growing up sometimes i make like a grunting noise or a squeak noise from my throat and then maybe like a jerk of the head or looking over my right shoulder etc or Again, it's manifested itself in that many ways and forms, you know, since I've had it. Um, I, I couldn't even keep up them in a different combinations yeah. and uh, just different ways. It, it's 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 came out, you know. Yeah, and see, obviously, like very very powerful. Like you've clearly done your research around like uh, some of these guys having it. Uh, like, and if I think about the likes of like the two fellas mentioned. They play football quite a fast-paced sport. You playing Gaelic quite fast-paced. So again, more from a, a psychological perspective, like do you feel that it impacts on your your own performance when you're playing football and stuff like that? No, to be honest, that's like see when I'm actually playing like sports. I, I find the older I got, like if I'm playing sports, um, you know, it, that goes away. You're sort of freed from it because your job or your mind is just completely and utterly focused on the task at hand. So. Thinking, right, I better not drop this ball, you know, or else I'm going to mess up this drill, or I need to get this kick pass right. So you, you put all your concentration into doing that. And actually, mentioning that, actually, there's a from my reading up on that, I actually found there's quite a number of NBA basketballers um, that also have had ticks as well. Yeah. Um, the most famous of which is called is Mahmoud Abdul Ralph, uh, who's a big sort of player in the 90s. And his way of getting over his tick syndrome was basically to put his hundred and ten percent into every session yeah. and like every match. So he'd list, he basically ran himself in, into the ground and that just so he like he had no he wasn't really exhibiting his tick syndromes. Yeah. He was just hundred percent focused into you know his training and loving the best life he could to, to make sure he got the maximum out of his uh, you know his playing potential. Yeah. And that's that's obviously it's amazing that there is a, a way there obviously to to take your focus and put it on something else yeah. and like again that just it, it, like I, I feel the cogs are sort of moving in my brain yeah. in terms of thinking but 
like did you ever try at any point in your life like doing something like mindfulness or yoga or something like that to try and help no us? not really um again it was something like i say like i sort of loved or learned to love of it basically and like i say i sort of just accepted the biggest part for me anyway for love was just accepting that's how it is it's not leaving you it's not going anywhere it might get worse it might get you might get better but it'll always be there so uh, in, in that sense i was just like right well there's no point in me sort of having this inner turmoil and this sort of berating myself basically for having this condition when you know it's out of my control it's out of my hands the only thing that's in my hands is how i uh react to that and how what my reactions are uh moving forward so like i say just accept it accept 100 yeah. percent accountability responsibility even though it's listen it's not my choice it's not my um fault that I have this condition, it, it it's there and it's not it's there to stay. So like I say, just making peace with the fact that uh, I've got this condition and it makes me who I am. Yeah. And like I say, it, you know, I, I feel comfortable enough now to be sharing this and that. Even a couple of years ago, even the thought of doing a podcast or speaking even privately to yourself or someone about it, I just wouldn't have fathomed it at all. But like I say now, I'm like, yeah, I shouldn't be like that and I shouldn't love my life uh, like. I say I used to treat it like a taboo subject or feel ashamed attached to it, but that's not the case. And like I say, why should I feel that way when it's something that's completely another way of my life? Yeah. I, th- I think obviously, like taking that information and processing it, like one thing you said there, the more research you've done, the more you've started to, to learn about it, the more you're just like, you know what, it, it's part of me. And yeah. I think like that's where. I would like to see society at some point getting to a point where we don't look at these type of things as a condition or a problem. Yeah. It is part of the individual and it, it, it makes them unique yeah. because at the end of the day, like what, what's the point of having like everybody being the same exactly. or thinking the same and stuff like we'd be in a pretty uh, circular world in a way where we're just going round and round and round in the same circles and where the hell's the fun on that? Mm. So like uh, obviously one of the big things Michael mentioned at the start as well was that approximately 20% of children suffer from ticks. Like, that, for, for me, that's quite a big statistic. Mm. Like, why isn't there more awareness out there? Or to be honest, I think it's, it's, I think it's a lot of it's to do with it's underdiagnosed. Um, as I, uh, from working with people and growing up with people as well, uh, that mean you both know and people I know myself privately, like, I, I, I just know there's other people who have it, but just, probably aren't aware of it like people who may clear their fruit a lot uh in certain ways or do it a certain amount of times or like i say i can count no on hand how many people i've actually seen um exhibit the same um you know text myself actually when i was over in australia in 2014-15 and that and there was i was actually working with a guy and he was i couldn't believe when i seen it but he was doing like similar text to what i had done previously and i'd never ever seen anyone yeah do that so and such close proximity to myself so when i seen that i didn't say i didn't want to bring it up him because i knew how i felt like i didn't want to feel like he was i was watching him or like judging him or anything which i wasn't but i was just i was sort of i i was just amazed to see i was like wow i'm not i'm not the only person who does this but like i say i think it is a massively under under diagnosed uh thing because it's it's a link to adhd um from just judging from what i've read and the research i have done into it now i've personally i've not been given a, a proper diagnosis i'm just you could say self-diagnosing but yeah. i'm using the material from what i've read that i've definitely got that um and i think like i remember in the mid-2000s as well i remember a story with david beckham having this ocd uh, having ocd i think he had like a certain like diet coke tins or something put in the cupboard or the fridge and had to, <laughs> yeah. had to be facing a certain way or the, whatever way it was he organized it and that became like a pure like massive subject at the time um people started talking about it and ever since then ocds sort of became a, a thing but like it's a lot more talked about than that now i think a lot of people sort of misunderstand ocd and people say oh I'm a clean freak uh, i'll go pure ocd yeah. that that is not ocd and that's something i know a lot of from again reading up well, OCD sufferers like vehemently like are outraged about it and rightfully so because people just it's like they make a trivial comment about uh, a very serious condition that they have yeah. it was actually on one of the Scottish radio channels or stations like a couple of years ago uh, that I had actually heard 
them talking about dyslexia, no. for example, and this is where like me being a fully qualified careers advisor and obviously working in the education setting and things like that, one of the things that really stuck out for me is that there's so many people diagnosed or advised or told that they have dyslexia. Mm. And whilst that may be the case for a number of people, for others as well, it's just because they're being lazy. They just yeah. like we we've with technology, we have got under this sort of lazy way of thinking. Yeah. And I notice it myself at times. Like I might uh I might one day spell loads of words really well mm. and then doing emails the next day I might like really misspell loads and again that could be very easy for me to say, right, I've I've got dyslexia. Right. And again the, the same falls under under like autism and stuff like that as well. Like uh, I know people that again just use the names willy nilly because they feel that it, it sort of it's a get out of jail free card and it, it shouldn't be because again there's people there that genuinely struggle with these things and obviously if that impacts upon their life it's very very difficult then to sort of get that support because it's like well it's not really a taboo subject everybody's got it yeah. and it's like well in a way like i'm sure there's a lot more people again this is me speaking from personal opinion not scientific evidence but like there's probably a lot more people out there with ocd because even when you're speaking about david beckham i'm sitting thinking Jeez, I used to always organise my football tops and they had to be in a specific order like in the, the cupboard and stuff. Yeah. So again, but I wouldn't go as far as saying, oh, I'm OCD mad. Everything Aye. needs to be in order. Like, uh, but again, I, I completely like get where you're you're coming from and stuff. And I think it's really, really good that you're, you're saying that. Like, again, with that statistic, what do you feel could be done more to obviously improve awareness on this type of thing? Definitely, could be awareness programs in school. Well, obviously, I wouldn't have a just specifically to text in that. It could be, you know, um, I don't know, like different. Like obviously, we speak about physical disabilities. Um, I'm not saying as a as a mental disability, but obviously, there's visibility uh, disabilities that are hidden, and there's disabilities that are oh, obviously yeah. uh, visible. Um, so it would just be an idea of maybe making sure that. You know, kids and that, and people in general are aware of. You know, people are going through different battles and different things in their own lives. Or it could be an internal struggle, or they maybe they don't share or don't feel comfortable sharing um, with others. Um, and like I say, it's just about being accepting of everyone, uh, no matter what their color, their skin, are, their religion, their you know their beliefs, their sexual orientation, whatever it may be. It's just at the end of the day, we're all human. So start off with that yeah. and then work away from there. Yeah. I, th- I think as well, again, really good point. I think the majority of people generally try to be kind and things like that mm. as well towards other people. You're always going to get the, the odd arsehole that is never going to change because they've, they've got this sort of fixation on they get their energy from making other people feel like crap and stuff mm. like that. But I think you, again, hit the nail on the head there with like um, acceptance. And I think one of, for me, again, personally, through all my, my educational experience that and life experience, one of the keys to acceptance is actually being aware. If, like, if you're aware that you're maybe judging somebody, then you can immediately say, actually, why am I judging this person? What gives me the right to speak? Yeah. And like, we're, let's face it, we're all human beings. We all judge to, to some extent. But again, there's some more than others. Yeah. Some people don't care. They just make a judgment and be like, hell with it. it means yeah. nothing to me. Uh, but again, having that self-awareness and again, self-awareness is something that I think is really important, especially when you're talking there about the likes of ticks and stuff like your self-awareness to these ticks that were obviously playing havoc in your mind for a long time. But the more you educated yourself, the more you started realizing that actually, you know what? There's nothing wrong with me. This is just part of me. Yeah. So like let 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 let's accept it. And then again, it, it's crazy because if you think about twenty plus years as friends, again, I never ever once like I didn't even know you had ticks until mm. you you told me probably last year. And then yeah. but before that, I'd never thought like, geez, what's what's he doing? Like and never once did I think you were weird for doing stuff like yeah. that. Like again, there's things I do and I'm like Geez, I'm a weirdo. What am I doing here? But yeah, we're all weirdos. <laughs> I think everybody's a weirdo yeah. in their own right. So, like, 
when we're speaking, Michael, about like exercise, exercise seems they have a real like gambling approach on you then. Yeah. Like uh, being able to focus and stuff. So like when think about your job role, for example. Yeah. Do you experience like the ticks more so in your job or I um I've have noticed that. Um and it's not even because of the job itself, my boss or anything or the environment, it's more an internal pressure I put myself to be the best I can. Um, and I have noticed there's like, I, I, I like maybe look over my right shoulder, like I'll, I'll strain my right shoulder and that. And so that sort of muscle from the neck down to make my right shoulder can be quite strained a lot. And like I'll keep doing the repetitive action, the movement, even though I know it's pain in me and it's sore, but I have to do it because, because it's that just that build up of pressure in your head to do it. And then once you do it, sort of, it, you feel fine again. Um, but I've noticed that in work. But I, I, to be honest, I take out a sort of, I'd say, happy stress. Um, it's not like, like oh, I'm about to lose my job or, um, or I'm worrying about financial worries or anything. It's just like, it's a pressure I put myself to be the best I can in my yeah. role. Obviously, it's a new role. I'm, I've recently switched careers from sales into health and safety. Um, so, yeah, it's just sort of having that, that pressure. But like I said, it's... A, privilege pressure you could maybe even caught to be right um there's a lot of spectacle on me there's a lot you know a burden for me to carry but it's something I'm, I'm wanting to do i'm wanting to do um so uh, like i say just accepting the you know that as part of who i am i can't help it so there's no point in beating myself up about it because like i say we all have enough worries in life and that to you know to be occupying me as well as this here so yeah i do it i just let it happen naturally as let it occur like I say, when I'm around people or colleagues and that, it's not so much around that. Like I say, I think it's just over the years, obviously, growing up and that and being in different social situations and that, um, I've learned to sort of, you know, whatever it is that, that I do. Uh, so I don't think it's like I have to concentrate and think, right, I'm better not doing anything. It just sort of happens naturally. And then when I'm sort of, you know, uh, by myself or whatever, um, that's when the text would maybe come out. Um, so yeah, in terms of the job and that, yeah, I do uh, exhibit some of my tics, but it's sort of when I'm by myself or whatever. Yeah, I'll see something as well that you you'd mentioned that I'm interested to know more. You'd said there about like if you're in a way trying to suppress them, it becomes sore. Like, are, are they physically sore? Or is it just like it's a real urge, like scratching? Like, I, I, it's not like a, I'm sore. It's just like a, a urge. Like it's just I just to it's like. I don't know it's just a build up of pressure inside your head and it doesn't hurt or anything but it's just like you can't suppress it and like i'm like can you actively try to like i remember back in the day i was like right if i, I just just don't do them yeah. maybe it'll just go away but i learned obviously that that's not how it works and um i so just there's no real like hurt or anything but just just the hurt the physical hurt that comes is when i'm doing the same repetitive movements yeah. that's where the sort of the soreness comes from but like I say, the, the mental aspect of that movement occurs naturally. And like I say, I can suppress for so long, but eventually I will need to act it out to sort of get yeah. it out of the system, so to say. Yeah. And like, I, I suppose the way I'm thinking in my head, like if you've got an itch, scratch it. If you've got a yeah. twitch, twitch it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like exactly. At the end of the day, it, it sounds like it's better just letting your body do what your body does. Yeah. And letting it out rather than actually trying to yeah, suppress it's, it's it it's an stuff. involuntary movement so uh, like i say i'm not in control of it it's yeah uh, it and i'm sure <laughs> anybody that has ever been dehydrated played sports or got muscle cramps or like a, a twitch mm. like again or a pulsating in their body and stuff like it's it's uncontrollable like your, <laughs> your body twitches and stuff like that and mm. again maybe neuroscience and stuff like that can say actually you can control it yeah. uh but not everybody reads neuroscience and no, stuff. So exactly. how, how do you get that out there type thing? And again, something you'd mentioned uh, as well, and I think is very important to touch on, like you'd mentioned about the stress, like you welcome certain types of stress, but yeah. what are first factors there that are stressful that you want to, like you don't want to experience? Can that affect you? Oh, I, um, but like I say, it's mainly like on my own private, you know, time. And I obviously myself and Rosie, uh, you know, when we're in own parents and family and Rosie's family ourselves, that maybe I feel maybe confident and comfortable enough to maybe, you know, to do that. But in terms of, uh, you know, 
um dealing with it on a daily day basis um or when I, when it's like when i'm you know experiencing like real stress you know with money worries or whatever it may be family worries um again it, it just it just happens again um and same again like maybe in the outside world uh where people might not notice um yeah. you know experiencing that or going through you know, maybe that trauma or that you know stress um but i again it's just about speaking about it and that and not bottling things up and letting, and letting things get on top of you and just sort of view things you know objectively uh, and try and you know work through them and try and sort them out yeah i think it's like something that i think is absolutely magic is the the power of like when we're talking about the the ticks and the twitches and things mm. like that like and i'm thinking in my head like how you control them and mm. things like that and i just think how magic exercises in any Aye. form because exercise seems to be a, a massive player or a, like an integral factor in keeping people from having difficulties with their, their mental health if yeah. you're maybe really stressed and you go out a walk or something like that it tends to calm you down yeah. like, and it, for, for me that is really powerful that exercise is so phenomenally powerful in terms yeah. of helping anybody in their life like and uh, it was just something that I wanted to say because I felt like obviously a lot of what you do, your best ways of doing it is just letting it be what it is and mm. realizing it's not a it's not a bad side of you. It's mm. not something uh-huh. that makes you a, a bad or weird person. Mm. It, it's part of you. And yeah. at, at the end of the at the end of the day, everybody is unique in their yeah. their own way. Like I'm sure there's plenty of people there. Uh, everybody experiences things their way nobody's going to ever see things the way you do which yeah. i think is an incredible thing as yeah. well and michael wh- what about driving like does it affect you when driving or i it does again it's the the right shoulder thing where i'll, I'll really look over my right shoulder and i'm, I'm not looking at anything particular in that and don't know where i'm not a, a dangerous driver and it's sort of i'm not doing it all the time it, it just whenever it happens um, so it's not like every time I'm in the car, I'm, I'm constantly looking over my right shoulder. So it could be that there's, there's, like I say, there's so many, and there's like wee small ones sometimes that I just do before even thinking. Like it's just sort of part of my body functions. Like I, I'm so when I'm in the car, obviously, like you see, like everyone, like you can sometimes get road rage, whatever, or stressful situations can happen happen on the road. Um, I don't think there's any particular trigger uh, when I'm driving. It just sort of sometimes it's just a thing. A, a, in my head to do it then yeah. i do it if it's not i don't it's, it's really a, that simple yeah no yeah no i think like obviously everything you've you've shared there again every time we speak about it i learn something new about mm. it as well and i think it it's really important because again my my thinking towards it has changed and again like i'd never obviously i hope would put you in a position where i made you feel awkward because you've had a twitch and like again i don't think i've ever laughed at you for having mm. one I, for me i've i've never known what they were i, I just thought it was part of you like so mm. it, i just sort of got on with it like yeah, and, yeah. uh michael one of the the big things as well and i think it's really important there's going to be people listening to to the episode uh if anybody out there that is experiencing these type of like symptoms if you like or, yeah. or twitches or whatever you would like to call them what advice would you have for anyone out there that's maybe feeling like that? Um, speak about it first and foremost. Don't ever feel... Well, first of all, don't think that it's just you that has it. Um, so obviously, it was a trap I fell, fell into as a kid. Um, you know, research it, look it up, uh, Google it, get books on it in the library, whatever it may be. Speak to your mum about it or go to a doctor. Uh, you know, as I hopefully now there's a bit more... You know awareness around it and obviously i think and i think there is um so i just people if they feel that they are maybe if this resonates with them if they feel that maybe they are doing something or they have a build up of pressure and an urge to to make a certain movement or do a certain noise or whatever it is just let it happen like i say you might 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 leave you um some in some cases like it, it's sort of just like a childhood thing yeah and it sort of leaves you maybe in your late teens other people it's there for life, you know. So again, if, if that's the category you fall in, just you know, make your peace with it. If, if you can obviously get medicated for it, um, I'm sure that there'll be drugs out there that that probably could help. I wouldn't be personally. I wouldn't be what I would recommend. 
Um, and I know previously from reading Tim Hurd's autobiography, he doesn't he refuse medication. Yeah. But like myself, um, he was offered it, and he's like, no, I'm just it's part of me. It's who I am. I'm not going to take any drugs that have many potential side effects. You know, when it's something that doesn't really debilitate my standard of life. And yeah. it was actually an interesting thing. He felt his tics actually gave him an advantage playing football. Because obviously, he's a goalkeeper. So he says he felt he could analyse situations better. Um, so I think he said he got really good at like reading people's body language and that. From obviously being self-aware himself of his Tourette's and that. Yeah. Uh, and obviously being made fun of in that in school. Um, and I think he feels that... Uh, he was able to read situations before they they happened, and he says that's why he felt he became such a great goalkeeper and that. Yeah. Um, for that, so he sort of he I think he sort of phrased it like use it as your superpower. You know, yeah. he believes it's a superpower. Like, and you know, it can help you maybe hyper focus on something. As I said, it is linked to ADHD, yeah. and that's something like obviously, you know, if you do focus on a subject that that you're passionate about, and you know. And you find you can maybe make a living out of it that you know you hyper focus on that and you yeah. can you know deliver fantastic results as a result of that 100 percent. and like I, I couldn't agree more michael i think like the way to sort of approach things is that everybody's got their own everest and everybody's got their own superpower like it, it's how you use them really is mm. what makes a difference and stuff and i think something that i clearly picked up as well through this conversation with you is that exercise again it's something that we we spoke about and i think exercise is very very important for folk if it's something that they want to to try and just get away from for an hour to to make you realize that actually do you know what you're you're normal yeah. uh, like every everybody is unique again like and at the end of the day uh, if it's not affecting you then you might not need to go to a doctor yeah. just actually as you said make peace with it and just be like do you know what it, it is what it is i am who i am and yeah. go from there like and michael just as a, a final question one of the things like the podcast is about being the energy you want to attract so if i'm thinking from a perspective of like ticks and muscle twitches and things like that you'd mentioned a bit earlier about like bullying people maybe fit, making you feel awkward what would your your rationale or thinking be when i say be the energy you want to attract um, like I say, um, many shitty things happen in our lives. Um, a lot of things might seem unfair. Um, and you're thinking, what what have I done to deserve this? Or you might, you know, start praying that for answers or whatever. But it's I guess touched on before. Yeah, it's crap. Maybe this thing like you've you've got this thing, and maybe people are, you know, bullying you for it. But that's through obviously maybe ignorance, youthful ignorance, and that. Um, and I feel that. Again, it's the hundred percent responsibility, accountability. Yeah, it's not your fault that you have this condition. Yeah, it's not your fault that maybe people are making fun of you for it. But you can control how you um react to that. Um, and as I say, like as long as you have a good support network uh, in place, and like I say, if you feel you can speak to anyone, whether that be your parents, best friend, a teacher, a doctor, you know, whoever it is, um, you know, just just talk about it um, and I feel that you know in terms of like you know being the energy you want to be um, like I don't feel any shame attached to it um, and just be open and honest about it um, again, and again that, that's coming from me a 30 year old man um, and it took me you know most of my life to get to this point for maybe people are, are obviously in their teenage years or like uh, even younger myself just like I say it might be a bit harder than that but just accept it for who you are, self-love, um, you know, you're made this way, um, and just, yeah, like I say, you can use it as your superpower, if there is something that you have a, develop a passion for, then, you know, put your all into that, and see where that takes you, um, and like I say, even if you are experiencing discrimination, or, you know, you know, people taking a piss out of you for it, it's just about education and that, speaking to them about it, ask them, well, why are you, Making that uh, you know, comment, or why are you saying these things about me? Like, yeah. do you understand what it is? And a lot of them won't, you know. Um, like, like you say, my own experience, even medical professionals, difficulty, um, you know, understanding what it is. Um, so yeah, it's just obviously constant education for people, um, you know, young and old. And uh, I just. 
keep the conversation going about it and making sure that you're loving your your life to the best of your abilities and uh, don't let anything like that or anything you know some things that you that are out of your control out of your hands don't let that debilitate you or put you off your your path in life yeah no definitely i think i like i Again, I don't really have anything to add to that because I think you've really articulated that really, really well. And I think, like, for me, I would just say if anybody listening to this can't open up their friend or can't open up their family member and stuff, well, maybe that person is not the right person to be in your life because at, at the end of the day, if you've brought this to me five years ago, ten years ago, like, maybe if I was younger, I'd have been a bit more naive to it and not fully understood. Mm. But, like, if you'd have mentioned this to me, five years ago and stuff like that i know i certainly wouldn't have been like saying oh well we can't be friends anymore like that's, mm-hmm. that's weird and stuff because i that, that's a bit hypocritical then really well that's it for me everyone thank you for listening today and please don't forget to tell your friends about the higher self being you podcast we're now on all major platforms such as spotify itunes anchor and many more once again, if you would like to get in touch, please feel free to do so at the higher self being you at gmail.com email address. And remember to spread the word far and wide. And I hope you'll remember to be the energy you want to attract.